This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. If you are able, will you stand as we read the Word of God this morning? This morning we are reading from Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. If you're reading from the blue um, Bibles in front of you, you can find that on page 848. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Good morning again. Good morning. Uh, Shortly after their deaths, uh, a pastor and a taxi driver uh, ascended to heaven. And as expected, like in every corny Christian joke, St. Peter is there um, to greet them at the pearly gates. And he smiled at the pastor and the taxi driver upon seeing them. Then he told the taxi driver, come with me and Peter proceeded to show the taxi driver his heavenly abode. And it was a huge mansion with a a full court basketball court and a theater and everything that you could ever want. And this isn't exactly the most biblical joke when it comes to the doctrine of heaven, but just roll with me. And and the pastor's looking like, whoa. And then Peter says, "And, and there's yours, pastor, and it's a little shack. Uh, with like a TV from like 1983. And uh, I mean, it didn't have much to it. And the pastor goes, "Uh, I think there's been a mix up. I've been serving the Lord all my life. I've taught the word of God faithfully. I've sacrificed for the bride of Christ. And this is what, this is what I get in return in heaven. And Peter says, it's, It's very simple. When you preached, people slept, pastor. But when the taxi driver drove, people prayed. 
And so, today, we're going to look at what it means through Luke 15, verses 1 through 7, as our sister Ashlyn just read, to have a culture of celebration. And we're just going to allow that text to inspire us to be better rejoicers as the people of God, to be better at rejoicing and celebrating. In Luke 15, Jesus shares three parables. We're obviously only gonna look at the first one that he shares, but he shares three. He shares one of a lost sheep, then another of a woman who loses a coin, and then another of a son who wanders and comes back into the fold again, comes back to his father. But all of these three parables end up being a response of the Pharisees and the tax collectors, or the teachers of the law, rather, their response to Jesus in Luke 15, 2. Be. And so what, what did they say? They said, this man, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. So, so this is what led to these parables that Jesus is sharing in Luke 15. That, that there is a, a bit of a rebuttal to Jesus because he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. In verse one, it shares that the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus. You don't have to read very far into the gospels to understand that Jesus was quite attractive and his teaching in particular was quite attractive to sinners and tax collectors. You don't have to read very far. Tax collectors in Jesus's day were known as traitors. They were known as those who sold out to the Roman Empire and they sold out to the Roman Empire on the backs of their own people, the Jews. Sinners were known as immoral, irreligious nobodies. They were at the lowest of the low on the social scale in Jesus's day. They were known for their wicked immorality, they were literally marked by it. And here's what's so fascinating. Jesus is attractive to both the sinner and the tax collector. They are just attracted to his teachings. It's fascinating when you consider it. And what's even more fascinating is Jesus didn't compromise and contort the message of the kingdom for them. He never once tickled their ears. He, he never once, you can read through the gospels, shared what he thought maybe they would want to hear. But he simply shared the truth with them in a way that they have never experienced before and with great authority. It was a grace they had never imagined, and it came with a tone that was filled with great, attractive compassion. And the tax collectors and sinners flocked to him. Imagine this. You, you, you see these 
two crowds of people. One crowd being the sinners and the tax collectors, and then the other crowd being the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law actually had a name or a title for that other crowd, the sinners and the tax collectors. They called them the people of the land. They're just the common people. You know, the people of the land. They would not associate with those people, the people of the land. They would not eat with them. They would not lend money to them. They would not do business with them. And there's something that was an absolute mic drop moment in all of this in this text. And stick around. We'll we'll, we'll be sharing that at the end of the sermon. And Jesus shares a parable with a crowd that consists of tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees and muttering teachers of the law. And he shares this parable for for all of them. Jesus' teachings had a way of bringing different people together that would normally never come together. It's really a beautiful and fascinating thing. And he's sharing a parable. A parable, in the Greek, it's parabole, It means a placing of one thing by the side of another. So the placing of one thing by the side of another or an earthly story with with heavenly meaning. An earthly story with heavenly meaning or placing one thing to the side of another. Jesus Jesus' teachings, one-third of them were either in parable or story form or a mixed breed of such. About one-third of Jesus' teachings was parable form or story form. And it's funny because as a teacher, you can see it. Like when I gaze out into the congregation, I can tell when I'm getting too heady, okay? Because some of y'all are looking, you're, you're balancing your checkbook or you're looking at your Facebook or you're just gazing out at the beautiful sun, wishing you were out there and not in here listening to this heady sermon. And so I can tell, and Jesus, it's funny, was one who could teach in such a way that the most scholarly amongst the crowd were challenged. But yet, the youngest perhaps, maybe the 10-year-old, was also receptive and attractive to the teaching. Jesus taught in story form and in parable form in particular. He was a brilliant storyteller. And here is the earthly story with the heavenly meaning that Jesus is teaching today in Luke 15 that we're looking at. Starting at verse three, it reads again like this. Then Jesus told them, This parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This morning, I'm gonna give you three reasons from this parable that should encourage us all to have a culture of celebration within our hearts and thus within our church. The first reason for celebration, I believe, pulled from this parable is the significance of every one. Notice, not every one, but every one. It says, doesn't he leave the 99, the shepherd in the open country and go after the, the one, the, the lost sheep, until he finds it. Some of y'all are in business, or you've been in business sometime in your life, which is a great thing. We need more Christians in the business sector. And if, if you were maybe leading a high-risk, high-reward business, losing 1% in a day probably wouldn't cause you to lose too much sleep. You, you would just think, well, I'll get after it the next day and we'll, we'll build back. We'll, we'll, we'll get this thing going again. 1% is like 1%. I mean, dude, he lost 99, he has 99, he lost one. It's not that big of a deal, right? There's more sheep to be one, maybe you would think. But in the economy of God, he doesn't celebrate profits and losses. He celebrates people. He celebrates each person, and particularly every person who he finds and restores into a right relationship with himself and a right relationship with the community that he or she is meant to belong to. That's what God celebrates. Which is why when we celebrate today, all of these new members in baptisms, we don't simply celebrate the numbers for the numbers sake. We celebrate the numbers because each number represents a person and every one person is significant in the kingdom of God. Every one person is significant in the kingdom of God. And I'm gonna say this as gentle as I can. But this is the reason why the great majority of Christians celebrate the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade. Because everyone is significant. I do not wanna make a political stance in the pulpit, that is not my hope today. But I do, however, want there to be a stance for truth. And I want to support the truth. And I also understand that we have people from a variety of backgrounds in both of our services, but for those who just want to know, why are Christians celebrating this leaking of the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade? This is why. Because every one person, whether outside of the womb or inside of the womb, in Christian doctrine, in this book that we hold to the highest standard and the highest authority, 
everyone has significance. We can celebrate because every person is created in the image of God and in the likeness of God. And as our brother Stephen prayed this morning, he knitted them in their mother's womb. Jesus had a powerful mission statement that is found just chapters later, Luke 15. It's found in Luke 19, verse 10. This is like the mission statement of Jesus. This is actually one of the key themes in the Gospel of Luke. Many of y'all have been reading Luke with us over these last couple weeks. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If Jesus had a church, this very well may have been his mission statement on the side of the church, okay? For I have come, Jesus would say, to seek and save the lost. God loves lost people. Do you love lost people? Do we love lost people? Like God loves lost people? God loves lost people. Of all kinds of backgrounds and they're jacked up like you're jacked up and like I'm jacked up and believe it or not, The thought that God loves lost people so much, I wanna let you know, actually ticks off a lot of religious people. It frustrates them that when they read these type of verses with this type of truth, like some people, this, this gets them really uneasy. But God loves lost people, which leads to our second point of celebration from this text. God pursues lost people and he picks up the lost. God pursues and he carries. He pursues and he picks up. It says, and when he finds it, this lost sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Let me share you one thing sheep are great at. They're great at getting lost, okay? They're great at wandering. They are phenomenal at that. That's If they had a resume, it'd be like one of their top attributes. What can I bring to your company? Wandering, getting lost. We were at the mall Friday, and about Friday early afternoon, and I had Sienna join me on this mission of going to the mall. It's been like the first time I've been to a mall in a long time. I didn't even know malls still existed. I had to Google, where's the nearest mall? They still exist. There's one in Woodland. Okay, Woodland Mall. And so we're in the parking lot, and I, I have a mission, okay? I, I, it's a one-store mission, all right? No, no other stores. I'll allow a potty break. But I had a mission to go to one store. I didn't know where that store was in the mall. Go figure. I ended up parking on the complete other side of the store, so we had a good journey. And, and what ended up happening is Sienna, every time she'd see something, five-year-old daughter, Every time she'd see something, I mean, she'd be like, oh, what about, Dad, can we go? Dad, can, Dad, gumball machines. Dad, the black light store, like black, dark, and lights and everything. We gotta go in. And I'm like, honey, we're, baby, we're on a mission, okay? We're going to the Apple store. I'm gonna see if I can trade something in. We're getting out, all right? And, and Sienna 
was just all over the place. If I would have allowed her to, my sweet five-year-old daughter would have wandered more times than I could have even kept track of. Which led me to think this is not far off from our relationship with our Heavenly Father, right? We're called to join on mission with Him and to join with Him in helping to bring more disciples to this earth. We're called to celebrate with Him and so many times I'm just like, oh, look at that, Father, off the mission. Oh, Father, but this thing's caught my eye. And then I just even let the hand go and I just go and say, I, this, this new thing, this cool thing, this idea, this trinket, it's very much similar to a sheep, which is why we're likened to sheep in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 6 says, we, all, all means all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We, like sheep, all of us, have gone astray. And God is constantly in the game of pursuing the lost. Shouldn't his church be too? God is constantly pursuing the lost. And he doesn't only pursue, but this parable points out a great attribute to God. He does the heavy lifting. It's important for you to know this. That this is not a lamb we're talking about in the story. Jesus is... When a shepherd loses a sheep, he leaves the 99 and he goes and find, finds the lost sheep. A sheep at this time would have at least weighed around or above 100 pounds. And he picks up the sheep and the parable says that he puts it on his shoulders and he joyfully returns him back to the fold. Did you catch that? Like how many of us, if we didn't know the story, you would think there'd be some scolding going on, right? Like you dumb sheep. You gotta be, you're always doing this. I look away for one second and here you go. And by the way, you're incredibly susceptible to beasts and being killed right there. And if the sheep happen to fall over and get scared, you know, they're not exactly the predator type of animal, right? If the sheep happens to fall over and on his back, they can't get up. But this shepherd, so gentle in this parable, picks the sheep up from the ground, does not scold him, puts him on his shoulders and almost just frolics back to the group, excited to have his sheep back. That's incredible. It's incredible. He doesn't say, how dare you? Do you know how worried I was? Now follow me back to the fold with your head down like the worthless sheep that you are. He doesn't do that. He picks up the sheep, 
And he carries it back to the fold, back to safety, back to community. And God's been pursuing from early in creation. He pursued Adam. He gave Adam a woman, a wife. And after the fall, he was still pursuing. Genesis 3, 8 and 9. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord, this is after the fall, walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And what happened? Then the Lord God called them, pursued them, called them, and said, where are you? Where are you? That's like a weird question that you think about, like, here? I don't know, like, where am I? Here. God the creator is constantly seeking the lost. God's heart is a heart of reconciliation and renewal for those in need. Paul says in Romans 5, 6, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were without power, like a sheep on his back with his legs up, not being able to get back to his feet, or whatever, yeah, I don't know, hooves, I don't know what sheep have. I didn't do that, that was not in my study this week. Last point of celebration that we'll discuss from this text. Our salvation is worthy. Let me say this again. One salvation is worthy of incredible celebration. One, one salvation. One lost person coming to God. Worthy of incredible Celebration. It says, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, the shepherd's throwing a party for a lost sheep. Okay, and he says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that, Jesus says, now here's the teaching point. In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You remember when I shared with you there's this mic drop moment in this section of scripture? Well, th this was it. And you and I, we read it, and we might not see much. If we're not careful, it doesn't have the shock value that maybe it had in this moment. But here's the significance. The Pharisees and the strict teachers of the law, they actually had their own saying that sounded very much like what Jesus shared here at the end. They had their own saying, and Jesus certainly knew that. And he spun it back on him, and it was completely antithetical to what Jesus just shared here at the end. It's completely different. Jesus said here, it says that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent, which, by the way, there is no such thing as a righteous person who does not need to repent. We know this, right? No such thing. Jesus is getting to a point here. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the strict Jews of the day, they had their own saying. And here was their own saying. They would say, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. 
That was on one of their core values for their church. That there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. They looked sadistically forward, not to the saving, but to the destruction of the sinner. Do you know what a religious culture can produce? It it can produce this type of culture in our hearts where we start to look at the other side, those outside the church, or those outside of our political party, or those outside our ideological preferences, and we can say that. Like, boy, I can't wait. God, heaven will rejoice when that sinner is obliterated. It's dangerous. God is in the business of pursuing and celebrating lost sinners coming to repentance. He's a joyful God. And unlike the silly joke at the beginning, we won't have time looking at what the taxi driver or pastor have in heaven because we'll be so enraptured in what we all have in heaven, and that is Jesus. That's what we will be enraptured in, Jesus, the King of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the friend of sinners, sinners like me, not sinners like you, I wanna just say, sinners like me, will be enraptured in that Jesus. This is why we wanna be incredibly focused on our church culture here. Because if heaven is celebrating what is going on down here, we would be fools to not join with them. If heaven is going to be celebrating these new members and these reaffirmations of faith even, and the baptisms that are coming about an hour from now, if if heaven is going to be celebrating that, then why aren't we? Then why wouldn't we be celebrating it? We would be fools not to join with heaven. I believe God celebrates when his people come back into faith communities. There are a lot of sheep who are outside of the fold. And some claim that they're with the shepherd still. It's debatable, but I feel so inclined as a church to be a church for those who are without a church. To be a church for those who are without a church. To be a faith community for those who are without a faith community. I believe this is one of our greatest missions in the coming season. As a people, I don't know about you, but I feel like more than ever, that's an an incredible need in our community, incredible need in our world, to be a faith community for those who are without community. Let's be that church, and may one of our core cultural values be, this isn't on a website yet, still in need of elder approval. Uh, we, We are a church that is serious about celebration. May we be a church that is serious about celebration. May that be embedded in the DNA 
of this church that we celebrate like heaven celebrates over one lost sinner coming to repentance. May we be a church that celebrates like heaven. So, without further ado, let's pray and let's celebrate during this final song. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that your word is true and that there are such simple truths, Father, in your word that cause such great celebration in our hearts. And Father, I thank you, Jesus, for breaking down the word in such a way that the simple can understand it and that the scholar can be challenged. I'm grateful for that, God. I pray, Father, for such wisdom in our minds and I pray for such celebration in our hearts. God, you are a God who celebrates. You celebrate and you pursue and you pick up the lost in every one of us here at one time or another was in that position. We were lost without the shepherd. We were lost with our backs to the ground and our feet in the air. And you placed us on your shoulder and with joy in your heart, you brought us back to the fold and back to community. And so Father, I thank you and I pray, Father, for anyone, even today, whether they're watching online or whether they're here, maybe you're a visitor here, I pray, Father, that that would be a message that would enter their hearts and that the invitation would be so near to them that they would just jump right in. God, we love you and we thank you for saving lost sinners like me, like us. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray.